Man, this Bucks Celtics series is just continuing to evolve into ever more of a classic. Just so much talent, so much physicality so much effort on the floor the bucks pull it out it looked like they were dead they were going to be down 3-2 down 14 in the fourth quarter and somehow they pulled it out and i didn't even think that boston like played that terribly down the end either it just milwaukee hit every shot and they out hustled a team that wasn't even like not hustling i would say most of the way it was just a, another great game and now we head to Milwaukee with a chance for them to close it out in six against all odds with Chris Middleton unavailable for the whole series. What are your biggest takeaways? I am fascinated to know, it'll take a long time to find this out, how this game fits into the mosaic for these two franchises and these two cores moving forward. Because this gave Milwaukee a lifeline, a significant one, towards winning a second consecutive championship. They, instead of having to win two games in a row, one of which would have been a game seven on the road, now they have to win one out of two, which is much more doable. And knowing what we know right now, I think I would pick the winner of this series against either of the other opponents. And then for the Celtics, I agree with you that this was more things going really well for the Bucks, mostly of their own making, than the Celtics just failing or, you know, one of those one of those catastrophic ones. But it is still an uh Ime Udoka after the game, uh, from what I've heard his stuff characterized. It's like this is a missed opportunity. And so that is a part of it. We also saw the Bucks are having to rely so much with Chris Middleton out on their two remaining best players. And for most of the game, that was Giannis being phenomenal. And I mean, this is this was a, a an amazing Giannis performance overall. Not a perfect one, but a very good one. And then Drew Holiday, you know, through three quarters, was not having that kind of a game. And I want to talk about some of the Drew-only minutes at, at one point during this. But then the best guard defender in the NBA made two gargantuan plays and hit a number of threes in the fourth quarter and that helped them clinch this win let's start with Giannis because I I think yes this is not a perfect performance I don't think it's possible to have a perfect performance against the Celtics defense but to score 40 points in 40 minutes 16 to 27 from the field 6 to 10 from the foul line only had three assists like they are really trying to take that part of his game away but they still have the best guys you could think of to guard him one-on-one did have seven turnovers couple of offensive fouls didn't have i think the same level of defensive impact that we've seen him have in the past but he kept them in it so many times to even be in the same gym by the time the fourth quarter started i thought to me the biggest stretch of the game that will probably just not be thought about is boston goes up 51 38 they're going to that small lineup that killed the bucks at the end of game four and Giannis just beat al horford three times in a row for easy layups or dunks uh, al had a couple stops on him in the fourth but largely Giannis did pretty well against al horford tonight and that just kept milwaukee in contact and they're actually only down by seven at halftime when it seemed like okay they lost game four their chance is gone and the celtics are going crazy like they didn't really seem to have anything strategically although that would change finally in the fourth quarter and so Giannis just when nothing else was going right he kept the bucks in the game time after time and then hit the two threes late as well last possession of the game yes he did miss one out of two free throws before the Portis offensive rebound but they're down two they give it to him he draws the first foul on Grant Williams 
in the last two minutes and then he drove and got the second one on grant williams which i thought was a foul both correct like calls grant, yeah grant williams went had his arm forward might uh and there was contact there so i, I mean it was just like he uh, he is the best player in the nba i think that's that's something that has become pretty clear i had kd ahead of him i think you had i had Giannis ahead one. of kd this year i think i think you're you're looking pretty right here i thought that Giannis was going to have a more difficult series than this and he has at times and the fact that robert williams hasn't been as available a, a lot of the time i think has helped him and also just the fact that boston kind of went to the strategy of taking away some of the three-pointers and letting him eat a little bit more than what they did early on but nonetheless like even to do that against this Celtics, it's not like boston just letting him score here and i mean you compare the series that he's had to what kd did offensively and then also the defensive impact that he's had through large swaths of this series it's really been remarkable and i think even no matter what happens in this series going forward like he's proved now that not only in the regular season but in the playoffs that he is the best player in the game along those lines something else that was really striking to me about game five was you could see how valuable Giannis was in absentia and part of that is the Bucks not having those complimentary players creators available right now well that was a lot on Drew Holiday's shoulders but I thought in the second and third quarters in particular the non-Giannis minutes were huge problems Memphis got a couple or sorry not Memphis Milwaukee got a couple of couple of shots to fall but generally speaking the offense was really stagnant during those minutes they couldn't really create many advantages and the Bucks have shooters but they don't have a ton of creators and Giannis isn't the traditional initiator but the attention that he draws makes life so much easier on his teammates and you could think about you know Wes Matthews and Connaughton who had some big shots in this game and, and Bobby Portis where so much of what they get is based on the attention that Giannis generates and he has improved a lot as a passer he only had three assists in this one but he did keep the ball moving yeah and he does give you just a lot of ways to attack pick and roll up top like yeah he's not gonna just bang a three though he did hit those two huge ones and we'll talk about the end of the game obviously he can post up he can attack and transition he might be the best transition player in nba history i mean probably magic and lebron but by the way nate i don't know if you saw the cleaning the glass transition numbers for this game uh, actually by the way i would have to throw i'd have to throw steph in there too as as another guy who might be one of the best transition weapons other like yeah. those four guys to me are, are probably maybe i'm forgetting someone but uh i did note that yeah they did not do much in transition in this game huh they didn't run much so milwaukee 8.6 percent of their possession started with a transition play that is extremely low but the bucks offensive rating in transition 214.3 including 2.5 points for every steal but they only had five steals so there wasn't a lot there but i mean ridiculously efficient there were some big plays late in in that vein and boston you know we've kept an eye on whether that was gonna they had a 170 offensive rating in transition it was just that these teams didn't get out there very much and there were a couple different reasons why one of which was they were making a fair amount of first shots and then the other one is there were very few turnovers a com very few 23 but of those 23 only 11 were live ball also i thought and this isn't capturing those cleaning glass numbers that the bucks did a nice job running off of makes yes which uh, i think would warm your heart particularly at times in the third quarter and it did seem like just 
every moment it seemed like boston was about to blow them out of the gym they would come back and it seemed like it would always happen very quickly even within the scope of the next possession yeah it's something the warriors have done a lot over the years too which is like right after a team hits a big basket move the ball down quickly it was i think drew hit a shot on one of those and there were a couple others in the the third quarter boston had this huge run then the other time that kind of slowed down was halftime but then halftime was a kind of a it stopped it stopped things because they didn't play for 15 minutes And this game had so many ebbs and flows to it that I think will get lost because of how it ended. And one of those was Jalen Brown's third quarter, where he had 16, 6-10 from the field, was really cooking. Wait, don't you mean Grayson Allen's third quarter? In a manner of speaking, yes. And 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 his second and, quarter, by the way. Yes. For that. Yeah. And, how and, how on earth he managed to be plus five? That there's one for you on the plus minus can lie sometimes. I mean, he made a couple of nice plays, right? Like there were. Uh, he, he had that spectacular and one where he kind of punched it in, and he he had one stop on Jalen. He had a nice feed to Giannis for a dunk out of a quick handoff uh, pocket pass, but particularly once the Bucks started going to uh, switching, they put him in all sorts of different actions and just went at him, whether it was white or smart. Peyton Pritchard went right through him for a layup at the start of the fourth. At one point, I was like, oh, they finally found a place to hide. I'm like, no, actually, Peyton Pritchard's going to go right through him as well. And obviously, Braun within that third quarter was awesome. Not entirely at Allen's expense, no, but some of it, some of it was George Hill and a few other guys. But yeah, I, I thought that Brown's third quarter on his way to 26 on 9-19 was a key part of this game also the ridiculousness of the second when Giannis had 15 on 7-9 that was a bit you yeah. brought up the keeping them alive like Giannis in this game had a 15 point quarter followed up by a 13 point quarter and the Celtics outscored the Bucks in both of those quarters yeah but again if he doesn't do that they're, they're it's not over. even in the gym at that point uh the other thing that we got to talk about is just the possession game here I mean that's what won this for Milwaukee that and just very clutch three-point shooting in the fourth quarter for sure turnovers were pretty even 13 to 10 but the offensive glass most certainly was not the bucks 17 individually credited offensive rebounds or if you prefer offensive rebound rate a shade under 40 percent of their misses yeah and milwaukee wasn't incredibly efficient on their putbacks but when you have that many their points per miss which is one of the other stats that clean the glass has was incredibly high and then for boston five individually credited offensive rebounds or if you like percentages a 17 percent offensive rebound rate so that made a huge difference and one of the other ways to put this milwaukee took more free throws 21 to 15 and they had 10 more field goal attempts so that that's a lot of opportunities that they had despite slightly losing the turnover battle because of the offensive glass and some of those of course loomed exceedingly large at the end yeah bobby portis had his issues defensively as well until actually they started switching and then he actually did pretty well the hedging they finally stopped doing that which i just nothing could it be as bad as that i would say uh and he actually held up reasonably well i thought on switches you mentioned the free throw shooting by the way non Giannis bucks actually made every single one of the free throws they took and then portis three or four times he was able to get around jason tatum who was guarding him in the corner and tatum just didn't really box out uh, on some of those plays and of course Portis had uh, the go-ahead layup although that was frankly luck I would say that just Brown and Smart ran into each other and it went right to Bobby Portis and and he made a nice finish there to lay it in after he missed a wide open layup that cut it to one 
one. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. He he, he made brisket out of that thing. Like it was. Uh, he made a great play, slipping the screen. He and Connaughton, like two guys you wouldn't think, just like caused miscommunication in semi transition, and he just slipped through and airmailed it over the basket. It was really bad. Uh, but but in any event, yeah, that that was really big. And free throw offensive rebounding. Hollinger talked about that on Twitter, and then he and I talked about that on our pod today. That free throw rebounds on Giannis missed free throws would be huge, and they got a few of those including of course uh, that portis push put back that put him up what did you think of brooke lopez only playing 20 minutes you know i thought they could have gone to him a little bit more when they found a way for portis to exist a little bit better i think that made sense like the key sub of the game i thought was portis for grayson allen and then they went to just pretty much full-on switching they had a couple of possessions where they changed back one to the hedge then they actually had him in a drop coverage on the tatum drive where he got the two free throws to put him up with uh under 40 seconds to go but he switched and actually did okay and that was the adjustment um i think it's stephanie reddy who's on the sideline talked to a bucks assistant he's like i can't tell you what we're gonna do but we are gonna change something up it's it's something we've done before and that's what it was they even had lopez switching at the start of the second but the problem was they still had grayson allen to attack on the floor so that didn't really work very well until they got allen off the floor and having portis switch i mean like boston is not a great individual offense team and particularly if you're switching when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and then I mean also Wes Matthews and Drew I mean these are really good guard help defenders tough guys like they're just nowhere to be how to gap how to reach in and, and get steals you know it did become more difficult for Boston down the end but it, it's also kind of a numbers game so in the second half Boston was 9 of 12 in the restricted area but they took roughly the same number of shots in the restricted area as they did from floater range and from mid-range so you're giving sometimes they're going to get by and Jason Tatum a couple of big layups and everything else but and they weren't getting the open threes exactly the and half. so what, what you're conceding and what you're giving up but i also thought part of the inspiration for going to that strategy was this fascinating stretch i believe it was the late first quarter where my first thought was this is completely insane so there were plays where the base assignment was George Hill on Jason Tatum, which, by the way, I'm like, just like, what in the world is going on here? But the second part of it was that the Celtics were setting a screen, typically with Al Horford. It was like, well, why would you set a screen when you have the matchup you already wanted? And the reason why is because this would, these were Giannis as the only big lineups, and the Bucks were in drop. And so what that meant was, you know the way that Jason Tatum can get a more open shot than being guarded by George Hill? And that's being guarded by a guy in a drop coverage who's nowhere near him. And so there were a couple of those possessions where Tatum stepped into an open shot and was able to get something good. It might have been the early second. I'm trying to remember exactly when that was. Yeah. But I, I think that was the ins- one of the inspirations is like, we're giving up really good stuff and we don't have to give up something that dangerous. Yeah, and I can't remember whether you and I talked about it, but I definitely talked about it with Hollinger today was I thought, okay, we're going to see the Bucks first get start in like the traditional drop coverage. Celtics will try to get some more pick and pop and they're going to, let's see if Al Horford can beat us there. Horford didn't have anywhere close to, he, he still was great and he had some big plays, but he wasn't, you know five of seven from three which you can't really deal with if you're milwaukee but they they were in a very extreme drop they tried to do the thing where they set the pick and roll then snaked back and then just handed it back to horford for a three that didn't really get them great shots like tice got one a, a pick and pop three out of that at one point but then with that hey if, if that's not going to work then they're going to go to just some straight switching and i do think that i would even try to switch with brooke lopez in game six like i'm not even sure that he's much worse than portis is as a switch guy and he certainly 
is good behind the play and i think he's better offensively than portis i agree most of the time too portis is a better shooter but uh and, Port- and portis would did a better job spacing to the corner and then going on the offensive glass that's not a double that brooke lopez always does with the same alacrity no i mean because he doesn't can't really sprint he's like too big <laughs> like he just kind of ambles. ambles up and down the floor <laughs> yeah exactly ambles that's great So before we move on, I wanted to relay a special message in advance of his wedding to Ellie from his groomsmen and the fellow wedding guests. Here we go again, five years later with even more to celebrate. Let's pick up where we left off, shall we? For our nation's capital, to the Big Apple, and back to the sunny West Coast, we've come full circle. You've conquered startups and won fantasy leagues. To say oh and hello is your MO. And while you are carving out your own path forward, in the process, you found love, proving you are indeed light years ahead. Of course, we're talking about Ellie Reginald Weiss. Next week, Ellie is getting married to Nicole, a lovely girl his friends and family can't be more excited about. So on behalf of Duna, Luna, and his friends, we wish you, Ellie, a big congrats on your upcoming nuptial. Even though money isn't real and it's just numbers on a screen, an avalanche in San Antonio couldn't stop you from breaking a lease like no three-point record Wardell can't break. We know you're still blasting this program on 1.5x speed as you pass the time on the delayed Expo Metro line from Santa Monica to downtown and scurry up to your high-rise office where your two hours of work has a better plus-minus than the Warriors' current death line. But we love you nonetheless and can't wait to continue celebrating where we left off in Cabo. May you and Nicole build a beautiful home, Lulu. So I understood about half of that, but thanks, Ellie, for being such a great Dunked On supporter. And thanks to your friends for making a $350 donation to the Los Angeles Food Bank. And congrats from Dunked On again on your nuptials. I did think when Boston went up by 14 early in the fourth, they were doing it with some pretty tough shots late Agreed. in the clock. I, there, which there which was, was not the little, case. Yeah. It was not the case in the third and the second, but I thought in the yeah. fourth, it was some real shot making. Yeah, but then Milwaukee came right back. And what did they shoot on threes in the fourth? It must have been some crazy. The Bucks. Yes. They were six to six. And yeah, Boston, crazy. And Boston crazy. did not attempt. And Boston notably did not attempt a single three. Wow! In the whole fourth quarter, yeah. Whole I mean that quarter. that just shows you. I, I mean I I noticed all of this when I was watching, but I I mean I, I didn't expect it to be that stark. That yeah, I mean they really and Boston was playing at a pretty languid pace as well. You know that was. One oh, I have they, stats on that by the way. Oh please, um, yeah. Let's from, get it. Andrew Lopez had this from Second Spectrum. The Celtics were roughly in the sixty-nine to seventy pass range and three seconds per touch in the other quarters of game five 58 passes and 4.6 seconds per touch in the fourth quarter so significantly slower and it's not the bucks were you know they were switching more and that leads to longer possessions something the houston rockets were always the houston rockets were a great example of that where they were the the extreme points per touch or the extreme touch length team on both ends of the floor at the same time because they switched in they had james harden and so, but some of it was these really languid possessions where the Celtics weren't really trying that much. And they have experience against switching teams. I mean, going back even to the 2020 conference finals against the Miami Heat, and there yeah, aren't as but many. That, that's you also had Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker right. at that point. Right? And and there were reminders in this one. It's such a challenging balance for then Danny Ainge, now Brad Stevens to strike because the Celtics offense, in theory, would have, could have a 
different feel to it if they had a point guard, if they had somebody like a Kemba Walker or a Kyrie Irving, both of whom have been on the team in the past. But A, those players are hard to find, and you're generally sacrificing what has made this team so special defensively. And I don't know yet. I mean, first of all, you don't have that many opportunities to get players that great. And I don't know. I don't think Boston has turned anything down to, you know, to, to make that happen. And I don't know that they would necessarily were the player available. But getting, you know, the, the odds of getting somebody like that who doesn't compromise their defensive system are less. So sometimes you're just going to have to grin and bear it. Yeah, I think so. And they didn't lose this game because of offense. I mean, they could have played better offense, obviously, in, in that quarter to some degree. But, I, you know, they part of the reason is just that the Bucks defended them differently. And that's what does kind of take you out of things. And um, yeah, you'd like it if they could beat Bobby Portis but other than him there's nobody really to attack and Portis is not like a terrible switch defender like you don't want him guarding Chris Paul but I think he can do well enough on Tatum and then if Tatum beats him there's plenty of help uh, available now the Celtics do spread the floor pretty well but there's they as I mentioned they have these good guard defenders they can load the Bucks can load up pretty well like I don't think it I mean you saw in game one of the finals last year how Chris Paul and Devin Booker cooked those switches like with Lopez I just don't I don't think the Celtics are capable of doing that quite as badly because those guys just don't they don't really have anyone who's got like that level of quickness to separate uh even though tatum is is a pretty good player and maybe they should go more with brown attacking but he's not a great passer so it's we'll see we're gonna see more of that strategy in the next game the celtics will probably have some more stuff dialed up for like quick slips the one time they got a quick slip to the rim was horford slipping out smart through a great pass and then Giannis came back and just swallowed it up and made a great play. Uh, you know, so sometimes that's going to happen too. Even that was the their best executed play probably of the quarter, and or, or at least after they went to the switching and Giannis erased it. Yeah. So the Bucks six to six three point shooting. I mean, Giannis made two right. Both of his were makes were in that quarter. Stan was no, uh, for one of them was one of them was in the third. One of them was in the fourth. But oh, it was right, the very late okay. third. But uh, so so it was one for one for West Matthews, one for Giannis, two for Drew, two for Connaughton. Yeah. And Again, a few a few of those were just kind of those quick oh they just scored crowds going crazy oh no we just got the ball up really quickly and we just hit a three you know they had a couple like the west matthews one i think was like that Connaughton had one like that this no dip three from Connaughton, like if i'm him i'm telling people to throw it right at my eyes like i don't want it in my shooting pocket my shooting pocket is my fucking forehead <laughs> that's what i'm telling people uh who are throwing me passes because and i think like he has a tendency back when he was a, a worse shooter shooter to kind of really like take his time and really load up and maybe jump a little bit too much and that would he, he would have some bad misses i think this new form for him works great like he just gets it, catches it and gets it off doesn't really jump as much not as many variables and not as much time to think about it he's, he's making every single one of these right now what else we need to talk about from this one do you want to go possession by possession I think we can kind of run through it. Just a, a few smaller notes on some of the performances, though, people we haven't talked about. I thought Daniel Tice had another pretty good game and was solid switching on to Drew. He had 11 points plus seven in 11 minutes. Uh, Drew, I think, got him one time, but other, other times uh, Tice has been okay in that matchup. It's actually been Tatum again that uh, Drew has had the most success against in some of these ISOs. Like he just bodied him completely out of the way and got a layup. But overall, Drew, he hit the four of seven from three, but he was five out of 17 on twos. And I think he was two out of eight in the paint and three and three of nine, or maybe it was two out of seven in the paint and three of nine from mid range. So again, he's just being asked. To do so much as you alluded to but uh yeah he still can bring it at the end of games on defense that's for damn sure and he's he's just adding to this list of legendary defensive plays so 
let's just talk about the end and Horford has that unbelievable follow dunk after Braun missed against Portis off a switch so minute 55 left well, that, had, six. That, that had a second incredibly important wrinkle to it which was Pat Connaughton going for the block and hitting Giannis in the face and yeah. getting the cut that then you know kept on cutting yeah you know I watched it again on Synergy like I all of that was kind of cut out what happened with that oh uh, so basically yeah that's true if you were watching on Synergy you missed so basically Giannis was intermittently bleeding or not bleeding the entire rest of the game and so there was one point where blood was running all the way down his face and they didn't catch it for about 30 seconds and they had to do a stoppage or there was something else like that and they got it together enough including when he got those free throws that he was able to stay in the game but it was there were times I was a little bit concerned we were going to get another Steve Nash situation yeah from game one in uh, 2007 against the Spurs so then I, I thought this next sequence was not only emblematic of the close but also just so exceedingly important Horford gets that huge dunk they're up the Celtics are up six with 212 to go Grant Williams comes in and Bobby Portis gets a shot and he misses it but Wes Matthews fly works into position gets the offensive rebound immediately kicks it out to Giannis dead center top of the key no hesitation Giannis takes the three he's only made one in the entire game and he absolutely drills it so the Celtics fans as you said Garden is thrilled they're up six then after an offensive rebound they're up three and yeah then, a couple of quick points on that position sure. Wes Matthews just he outfought Al Horford like he got a inside position on a bigger player and he got somewhat of a lucky bounce but he was he carved out some space over that's like what rebounding is really about is just kind of controlling space and he was able to get that kicked out and Giannis I think even though I'm not a huge fan of his threes normally open catch and shoot where I think he's better down six with under two minutes to go and you don't feel oh it's too early you don't need a three it's a lot easier to come back when you only have to get two buckets instead of three with without them scoring and yeah so I think that was that was a good shot even if you know I largely in the flow of the game don't care for a lot of those shots from him and then Tatum had a, a switch against Connaughton another stagnant boston possession yeah i mean they played way late into the clock up three maybe a little bit too early to be doing that but i think there was just a a fatigue factor at that point and also he got i guess the matchup that they wanted at the elbow but not really a great shot and then they push it down Giannis had it on the left side they swing it that was the portis miss layup they swing it to the right side little slip by portis i mean he was wide open i don't know how he i mean he was wide open twice yeah, because he had the, he got the rebound too. Yeah, he basically yeah, his, threw his, it. He threw it over the rim to himself and then missed it again. Yeah, and then that, did he? Did that even hit the rim? Was that a trap? I don't know. But <sighs> in any event, he didn't score. I mean, yeah, his seven offensive rebounds probably overstates his performance a little bit. He he, he had, had he, he had a little Valanchunas action to be sure, right. but that's yeah. okay. And and Jalen Brown then got the second miss. And then after, you know, it was a, I, I didn't really think they were getting, yeah, I think it was a Marcus Smart drive halfway through the possession. He gets stripped by Wes Matthews. And then it's semi-transition, but they kick the ball to Portis in the corner. Great decision by Bobby Portis to go above the break to Drew Holiday, completely in rhythm, hits the three, tied at 105, 40 seconds to go. Yeah, I didn't understand this next possession. I had some kind of weird stuff. Why wouldn't they have just called timeout? Like they dribble the ball up, wasteful 
five seconds and then call a timeout once they cross half court with 37 seconds left like why not just call the timeout underneath maybe they should to give yourself a little bit more time to get the two for one so they run a wide pin down for tatum i question because actually so the previous possession the smart drive they actually had portis on the hedge again rather than the switch and smart got penetration but west matthews got a great steal this time you know maybe on ball they would have switched or done something different but on the wide pin down which and by the way i think boston should be running a lot more of these wide pin downs frankly but portis is just in a drop and if you're gonna have portis in a drop i think i would have gone back to brooke lopez there and portis uh clearly fouled tatum and tatum hits two free throws boston looks like they're gonna escape after this incredible bucks comeback continuing the stretch we, we already brought up these two plays Giannis, they they go back to Giannis down to yeah and by and, the way they they could not go for the two for one at that point they only had one timeout left i think but bud wanted to save it and there probably wasn't enough time really to get the two for one at that point anyway how much time was left after tatum's 31 yeah so there probably isn't enough time to yeah. get two possessions there so i don't i don't find just so. bring it up and also that's Giannis is just better there so he drives left on grant williams who was in for defense after the free throws uh got a blocking foul and then he drove hard right on grant williams i thought grant made a mistake by reaching forward and following him i mean i know he wanted to contest it or maybe he didn't make a mistake because he did miss the second free throw maybe it was maybe it was a good foul i don't know he, and who knows what he well, was so you're talking about the first foul or the second you're talking the about second the second foul. foul the first one was you know in the end somewhat irrelevant but but it but it was it was, was a it was the right call either that was a weird play because i thought Giannis fell on his own but grant williams still fouled him like so yeah. you could argue it was in a way a, a, a fortunate thing for the bucks but that happens and so i i want to give credit to the referees as much as they have been lampooned in these playoffs three big calls in the final two minutes of this essential game all of them in my eyes were correct yeah no, no bad referee stuff uh really in this game uh, there are some charges you know this is it is an this is an exceedingly difficult to referee series like ben taylor was talking about that the other day on his show of just these some of these collisions like this is kind of shack like type of stuff so uh boston calls timeout after the Giannis miss free throw they they boxed out pretty well annoyingly they showed like this baseline camera angle where you couldn't really see what was going on that much but they had it pretty well boxed out smart came in from the three-point line and swim moved around a guy and made a great play to go get the ball but it was just Jalen Brown also was right there I mean this did you see it any differently it looked like they just like they both ran into each other and it was yeah just they the, e- the each worst got time. they each got one hand on the ball and didn't realize that the other hand was a teammate yeah. and so that just it, and, it and bounced. that's tough to do I don't think there's there isn't really a solution to that kind of that kind of a thing i mean you're supposed to be a defensive rebounder and honestly if they also got extremely unlucky that they both hit the ball and it didn't go out of bounds because it would have been better for boston as things turned out if it had just gone out of bounds and you give milwaukee another possession down one with 11 seconds to go instead bobby portis gets the rebound and because of all the players flying to the glass nobody was able to contest it so they advance the ball after that down by one get the ball in smart with the nice rip through Connaughton kind of tried to deny him a little bit and was out of position it was a top it was a top block like it was a, it was a weird so basically John Schumann had this and, and I they talked about it after the game that Boston called had basically had an audible from Marcus Smart because Pat Connaughton was playing him in that way I don't know if it was that they knew the play that was coming or if they just like well, that's what we're going to prevent and so Smart goes back door and the pass is right on point and 
and Connaughton recovers enough. Like it, it is a great example, as will be always lost to time. J.R. Smith's part of LeBron's chase down of Andre Guadalla, that anytime there is a memorable like recovery block in the playoffs, there's almost always somebody who at least slightly slowed down the offensive player to set it up. And then Drew Holiday just puts on a masterpiece. Yeah, catching a block shot. And this wasn't like it was in the air either. He just like caught it basically from his hand. Maybe there was a, a little passing angle for Smart to Jalen Brown coming down the lane, but Holiday got there very quickly and was kind of on the axis that the pass would have needed to take place. It was it would have been a very difficult pass for Smart. And then Holiday to save it and throw it off of Smart. Bucks advance the ball. They get it into Connaughton. Uh, that was very close to a five-second violation. I actually timed it on Synergy. It was 4.7 seconds for money was handed the ball to when he released it. Uh, and no five seconds was called. Connaughton, two huge free throws. And Celtics are out of timeouts at that point. They push it up. Well, they uh, push yeah. it up. The, the Celtics, I didn't love what Ime Uroka had there. They didn't have a timeout to set it up. It was like they ran that Villanova play, except that Al Horford was standing at their own three-point line. And with five seconds to go, it's just hard to get a lot of forward momentum. It is true that Jason Tatum was running unabated on the opposite side of the floor and whether it was the Marcus Smart didn't have a great handle or that he didn't see it very clearly is um but anyway it was I mean Drew Holiday got him it wasn't good I don't think it had enough time to really materialize but yeah you kind of mishandled it I mean it, like just, you, it, took, was, it took too yeah. long to get into the front court anyway and there is a risk like you throw the ball into the front court and the Bucks could get a steal or something like that but the kind of like handoff and get everything there with when you only have five seconds it takes like two or three to make that happen and then you're you're basically in heatland yeah i would have tried to like get it into horford where he was and then try to have him get someone on the run who wasn't smart like the, i like the idea of getting it in and then getting someone on the run but to get it back to the inbounder like yeah it's gonna be open but uh and, and also uh, i mean smart's kind of the only guy in this team who can like dribble up quickly so uh, but i think he was probably looking to run a play or hand off to somebody or something like that and and i mean you're I, I think the Bucks made the right decision to not foul there because just advancing the ball and then I think the chances of giving up an offensive rebound in a bucket are just so much greater than getting a three off with five seconds left, no timeouts. And particularly once, you know, I, I think if they if they throw it ahead into the front court and they're like, you know, there's still four seconds left or something, then maybe you can foul. But I, I think they made the right decision. That, that was a pretty desperation circumstance. And of course, Drew got the steal so uh now what i think the celtics have a reasonable chance of winning game six i don't think Surely. this series is is over in any way uh, shape or form I mean, they, they other than the three-point shooting they outplayed them in this game again i mean they're they shot 63 percent from two and we talked about how milwaukee made adjustments starting you know a second quarter is probably a good proxy for it boston still outscored milwaukee in the third quarter the 32 30 big stretch by jalen brown tatum had a couple of big buckets and, and smart hit a couple threes as well and i so i we don't know my instinct is robert williams is not going to be available for the rest of the series i'm not committing to that i don't know more than anybody else does but the the challenge again by the way all of you celtics fans who were saying to me uh, like what an asshole i was for saying that like oh you know let's let's uh be careful here having him come back this early like let's not just assume that he's going to be back and everything's going to be great and yeah i looked like i might be dumb for a couple of games on that he came back in the brooklyn series but you know he came back pretty quickly from that surgery 
like it's just really really hard to come back from any kind of surgery where they are cutting into your body in less than six weeks like it's just hard and whether it's just due to the incision or due to the the fact that they didn't get enough rehab or the meniscus just is still bothering him who knows what it is he's had knee trouble for a while but uh you know they seem to think like he might be able to play and they're like oh his pain has gone down the swing's gone down but he still wasn't quite able to play and, and i think also just if he's got soreness like i would maybe try to slot him in at points but tice has actually played well i think for uh in three of his four stints that he's played in these last two games so I, i'm not sure that that's you know maybe if they're just starting to get cooked inside and they feel like hey they need to just get some more size and physicality they could go to him but i even if he's available a i wouldn't want him to be in the rotation necessarily to help them win and number two just like let's get him some extra extra rest here because you are trying to win a championship even though you know so unless there's a specific thing where like okay we really need rob to play this sort of way defensively or Giannis is killing us inside we got to get more help i wouldn't necessarily go to him um yeah i i agree with you though i mean i still i'm kind of right back where we were after game three i think i still on a neutral floor would favor the celtics slightly in games in this series but the next game's in milwaukee and obviously milwaukee's quite capable of winning in boston too they've proven that so i mean it's probably you know i don't know if the series is 80 percent milwaukee but it's probably 70 percent at this point that seems about right bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We can shift to the game that was 100% Memphis Grizzlies. They absolutely, oh my God. they absolutely whooped that trick. I mean, this was a dominant performance from Memphis and they executed defensively. They did a really nice job offensively, 37 assists to only nine turnovers. Tyus Jones, of course, at the center of that, as he often is, nine assists, zero turnovers for him. I thought that Memphis, the, they, you know, defense was, you know, it takes t- the, t- the old Homer Simpson line, it takes two to lie, one to lie, and one to listen. Like, Memphis was doing a good job forcing turnovers, but the Warriors were a very amenable part of those turnovers as well, of course. Yeah, I actually went through all the turnovers, and that was the number one thing, the number one thing people in Golden State talked about afterwards. And I would say maybe half of the turnovers in the first half were what I would consider forced, and the other half were forced passes. Now, it's still you still have to like stay with the guy on the backdoor cut so he's not wide open, right? Like they've avoided, they just haven't had any of these miscommunications. Like they've been, they've tightened up so much since games game one and even game two frankly and then uh they've kept them out of the lane like they the warriors just can't like drive by them the way they were in game three and steven has been a big part of that we'll talk about him but uh i mean some of these passes are just like draymond green steph curry jordan Poole. i mean those are the three guys what are you doing like it's not open like you can't you're going to have to fucking beat them like the memphis Grizzlies are going to make you beat them like they're you're not going to trick them anymore like that part is over uh and, and it's series. the the Warriors have this notorious reluctance to make things simple, and I think that that's really coming. And I thought a phenomenal example of that, maybe my single favorite play of the game, was a very small thing, but one of those things I fixate on, where 
the ball's kind of bouncing around and it goes to Kevon Looney at the three-point line. And Dylan Brooks is trailing Steph Curry. And because the Warriors really only do one thing in that circumstance, instead of trailing Stephen Curry, what Dylan Brooks does is he just runs straight to the handoff that he knows is coming. It's the only thing the Warriors ever do in that circumstance. And he gets a steal in a bucket. And the ability to capitalize on a team that basically has, like to use a football analogy, has all these one read passes is extremely dangerous for a team that is intelligent and active defensively. And one way to counter that is to have more options out of that. Another way is to just not put yourself in those kinds of situations. And it looks preliminary like I don't know that there's really much of a difference like we thought that we might see more of Mike Brown's imprint on this game after a game because he took on the role so quickly before game four but Steve, it looks like Steve Kerr is not going to be back for game six but I haven't seen much of a difference in the Warriors philosophically between games three and five let's say yeah I mean Jordan Poole had an epic disaster one of six four turnovers negative 34 in 20 minutes and just really bad decision making like he is gotten worse as the series has gone on and just uh, they have not uh the size and athleticism is really really bothering him of memphis like d'anthony melton had a, a couple of plays on him where he just you know there's another one where he just tried to throw the ball on his face and like no the grizzlies actually just beat you to the ball when you when you do that when you try to do like that split on the pick and roll uh so that's a problem and also like i mean steven adams quite playable in this series six offensive rebounds plus 32 in 22 minutes it's like they're like a couple times even he switched out onto stuff he was fine there and you know they're in more of a drop coverage he's a little bit kind of up to touch but then uh they're containing things like it, it looks fine and his additional size and help instincts and physicality allowing jaron jackson to be a little bit more of a roamer <laughs> on defense like that's caused problems and for them as well we talked about the possession game in oh, the oh, preceding yes. game there was there was a slight difference even if you just want to focus on the offensive glass yeah 22 to 9 in terms of turnovers this the grizzlies had more steals than the warriors had forced turnovers the entire game it was 12 to 9 just in that specific yeah, stat yeah but more but steals than than the Warriors. yeah, yeah more than than grizzlies turnovers yeah grizzlies yeah grizzlies had more steals than turnovers and but if you add in the offensive rebounds over the full game 18 individually credited versus four but if you want the percentages 37.5 offensive rebounds in the competitive portion for the grizz i think cleaning the glass only does that as the first as the first three quarters even if it's a sufficient blowout i can't remember the exact rule on that um and 11.6 offensive rebound rate for the golden state warriors and yeah, remember when the warriors were like getting a bunch of rebounds the, in, the in warriors the that that's not the case anymore well, and it was also so andrew wiggins i think has been better on the offensive glass than the defensive glass and there were a few possessions i i mo- i retweeted one from mo to keel uh, of him just not boxing out at all and it was i think that was a jaron one and that ties in with something i thought that was another important thread of this game was just jaron jackson is getting so much more confident offensively and i thought he did a really nice job 21 points in 25 minutes six to ten from the field did some of it as a driver did a lot of it as a shooter but getting fouled getting some offensive rebounds and i thought he was excellent i thought tyus jones did a really good job too yeah i thought that tyus was going to settle in you know he's just been kind of we've seen this happen in some backup pointers that happened i think to jalen brunson last year where you know all of a sudden you're used to playing maybe 
20 minutes a game that gets cut down to maybe 11 and the other team is really locked in on you because it's the playoffs and you could just kind of have a a bad stretch and it looks like you're quote-unquote unplayable but once he knows that he's going to be out there for a long time he was pretty good in game four and obviously excuse me really good in this one and bain looked like he was back yes that was huge um brandon clark was really active in the lane he beat the warrior zone from the free throw line a couple times they tried to go to that one two two zone that they liked that didn't really work at all either they obviously got completely destroyed in transition so uh dylan brooks i thought actually did have a really good defensive game in this one uh, not really didn't do a ton on offense he still was taking some tough shots but he actually did really bother golden state like a number of those turnovers were him just messing up handoffs or forcing guys backdoor into turnovers stuff like that so i, I thought he, he he was much calmer and just better overall uh stayed solid more but still had an impact defensively in this first half and golden state now like Otto porter who was a massive player in this series couldn't continue in the second half they're down 27 so maybe they would have brought him back if it was close but he's got this foot soreness which is something that's kept him out for for years now at at various points and they were asking too much of him i think to just play this many minutes and start the second half and all that the kaminga starting and playing the first five minutes and never coming back in i don't really understand what the point of that is supposed to be at this point like him playing on the second unit i think would make more sense because they need some more scoring and finishing there and and he might actually feel like he has a, a little bit less pressure at that point, but they don't want to start Porter either. But it's just weird to start a guy playing five minutes and never bring him back in. I think Juan Toscano Anderson needs to play more for Golden State. Like he was a big stalwart for them early in the season. Like he's going to play hard, give effort. He might turn the ball over some too, but he he can at least give them some more rebounding, just some more overall athleticism. They don't want to play him because he's the second non-shooter on the floor, but they even went to Draymond and Looney together in the second to help shore up the rebounding. That didn't really work. So uh, they, they got to get better on defense. Like giving to give up 77 points in the first half to a Memphis team without John Morant is just pathetic. Yeah, definitely not great. And and, and they got to just trust that like Steph Curry is is going to play better and uh, like and Draymond Green has been really really bad. I mean, just he's averaging five turnovers a game and he can't score. And you know, usually this whole thing like oh we're going to just not guard Draymond Green, he can get enough out of the handoff game and like being smart and making passes to get past that. But I mean, they're going four out around Green and he still can't do anything. So uh, I mean, it certainly seems quite a long time ago that they put up the best true shooting ever in a game outside the bubble in the nba playoffs two games ago and uh where do you see it going from here i mean that's the question to me is just how is golden state going to be able to i, I mean number one is just like steph curry's just got to be better because i don't think pool is going to be the solution anymore well and i'm wondering if mike brown does a more cogent realization that the way the grizzlies are defending draymond green putting the ball in his hands is not the advantage it would be in other circumstances and the Warriors did a little bit with him screening and handing off to Clay Thompson in the very early going, but Draymond Green at the free throw line is not is not the most dangerous proposition, especially if he doesn't really have play finishers there. So it, I think the Warriors have to rework some things offensively now. Yeah, I, I might actually start Juan Toscano-Anderson, and then I would try to get Kaminga in on those second units again, just to get some athleticism and, and physicality transition play. The Warriors haven't had that either. But I mean, the, this Memphis Grizzlies team, I obviously was far too quick to dismiss miss them when Ja went out although I mean Golden State just played terror has played terribly these last two games but they obviously I mean you could tell I think the whole Steph Curry like whip that trick thing like they're they were trying to 
motivate themselves, which I, you know, it's a closeout game. You probably shouldn't need motivation at that point. Um, so yeah, and, and, and remember, Adams, and I, like, yeah. I, and like, yes, this was a three-one series, but the Warriors played horrendously in Game Four. And yeah. they were able to pull out the win. Like they're they, they haven't seriously outplayed the Grizzlies since like that stretch of games, unless we're counting like the last six minutes of Game Four. Since they that true shooting record in Game Three. Yeah, and Zach Lowe noted like being up three one and just punting away that game five that you might win on the road now there are very few series that we've seen the road team win on the road in game five like usually the home team does win that game even when they're down three one and surely the warriors will be favored in the next game and i also would they are they are favored by a bunch but what's the one i think it's eight and a half what i think it's eight and a half yeah that's too much to me considering how poorly the warriors played in game four yeah it's this is a very high variance basketball team golden state it seems like uh with the turnovers the three-point shooting the veterans some of them sometimes they feel good sometimes they don't they absolutely could lose this series i mean i still would give them like an 80 percent chance of winning it but also obviously they have higher aspirations than winning the series and particularly with jaw out i mean this is also just like a chance that they could have gotten for some rest and now Otto porter is hurt and who knows whether he'll be able to play in this game or not and particularly i mean they get, keep getting off to these really difficult starts and credit the grizzlies for coming out and you know really bringing the energy at the start of games and you know if the warriors get down 10 again early like are the sphincters going to start tightening a little bit yeah you know they, they need to have a better start and at least be you know in contact at the end of the first quarter maybe that'd be nice all right i think that will do it for today we'll be back tomorrow don't forget we're going to be on playback tomorrow i'll be tweeting that out but get playback.com you just sign in with your tv provider as long as you have a way to watch the game through your cable provider or youtube tv or even i think nba league pass i assume it'll work for international people as well it'll authenticate you and then you can actually just watch the game on desktop or attach it to your tv as well so now you'll just get our live commentary all on the same screen with the game you don't have to worry about syncing up anymore it's definitely the next generation of this technology and we're really excited about that going forward and hoping to do we won't do friday obviously because there'll be a warriors home game but we're hoping to do a lot of these big games that are coming up here and we might even we're going to do dallas and phoenix tomorrow maybe we'll even start a little bit early if philly and miami is close down the end so i've been missing doing this missing experiencing all these you know there's a, a good chat function in there too everyone can talk back and forth and we'll see you then tomorrow night till then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.